Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. Uh, we are in this series about essentials, and I, I changed it up. What I'm going to be speaking on today was not in the original plan for the series, uh, but I have been uh, just, I've been meeting with a lot of people, and in meeting with people, people that love the Lord, people that, that have uh, confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, uh, some of them more confident in that and in regards to that than others, but in meeting with a lot of people, uh, and this is kind of a constant theme, honestly, just as a pastor. Uh, I realize, you know, in order for us to really walk in the essentials of our faith, we have to address the things that can keep us from being the people God's created us to be. And, and that's always the case, that we have repentance uh, from sin and that type of thing. But there are some other things that honestly can affect all of us that are a little less obvious. And I want to talk about those things today. How many of you have ever said, I will never drive a minivan in my life? How many of you have ever said that before? I will never drive a minivan, okay? How many of you that just raised your hand, you wound up driving a minivan? Anybody in the house? Okay, so here's the deal. You can hate all you want on the minivan, but I am convinced of this. Automatic sliding doors are one of the greatest signs of Jesus's favor in someone's life that they can experience, okay? When you can literally take a key fob and open every door on a vehicle that all your kids can just climb in and climb out and, and you don't have to worry about it, that is a sign of God's blessing on someone's life. And I am convinced that a minivan is a major part of the sanctification process of a family, okay? Like you, you've gotta kind of have that experience. And here's the thing about a minivan, it has, deceptively way more storage than you could ever imagine. Like they, they've really thought this thing through. You are never gonna lack for cup holders in a minivan, okay? Never gonna be a problem. But they have storage space all over the place. Places you wouldn't even think to put storage space, they've got it uh, to the point where your kids can, can stash trash for months and months and months and you won't ever even know about it. Like you can fill a full trash bag once you find all the stuff that's back there. Uh, but in spite of all of that, as a family, and Cody and I, just between the two of us, have a tendency to fill all that storage space anytime we go on a trip anywhere. Uh, anybody in the house willing to admit you're an overpacker? Anybody an overpacker in the house? It can be a real struggle. I think it's important. You can come down to the altar afterwards and receive prayer. But, but this is something that I can definitely, I can struggle with, okay? So, like if we're gonna go on a three-day vacation, it's not unheard of that we might pack 10, 12 outfits for a three-day trip. I mean, it's just the way it is. And when you go on vacation, you're like, it's vacation. I'm gonna bring as much stuff as I wanna bring. But here's the thing. For me, it's not always like outfits as much as I'm going to be prepared for every scenario that could possibly be known to man, okay? Like I wouldn't normally pack a few extra uh, wireless batteries, a solar charger, four different ways to filter water, seven different ways to make fire, a few multi-tools, a knife, a hatchet, and a shovel, but we are climbing Pinnacle Mountain, and so you never know what's gonna happen. Like, it, you just gotta be prepared, you never know, you know? You could get lost up there, and then I will single-handedly save the whole family. 
But the point is this, I pack too much. I have a tendency to pack too much. I think everybody in this room at different points in your life, you're carrying baggage. And that baggage, uh, it's not physical bags. So it's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that weigh you down, the things that are subconscious conscious in your spirit, in your soul, that you may not always be aware of, and sometimes you are aware of it. But I also noticed this. It's kind of like when you're in your car. Uh, if you're in your car and you got junk in your front seat, right? But you're getting ready to pick somebody up. What do you do with all the junk in your front seat, passenger seat? You put it in the back seat, right? That's where you put it. But the problem is that will work unless you're gonna add another person or a couple more people. And then you've got junk in your back seat, right? So then obviously the natural thing, you put it in the trunk, right? You don't clean it up. You just take all the junk that was in your back seat and you just put it in the trunk. The problem is now it's out of sight, out of mind. So now all that stuff that you put back there in the trunk, you're not even thinking about it anymore. Those Chick-fil-A waffle fries have now petrified. They are Chinese throwing stars that could be deadly. You've got an NSYNC CD that is now wedged between your spare tire and the bottom of your car that has been in there for years because you just threw all that back there. It's still there though. You're just not dealing with it. But it's taking up space. It is, gonna, it is weighing your car down, honestly. And I find that all of us have a little bit of junk in our trunk. And I'm not talking about behind, okay? Let's, that would be inappropriate and awkward to talk about. But, but we all have, we have some junk. And I think it's important that we deal with it. The baggage that we carry that wears us down. It says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, NIV version says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love what, how it starts. It says, come to me. That is a whole sermon in and of itself. Come to me, come to me. I think one of the biggest reasons why we struggle in life is because we don't just see this for what it is. Jesus is saying, come to me. I'm not annoyed by you. I'm not frustrated by you. I'm not disappointed in you. I just want you to come to me. I like you. I want to hang out with you. Come to me, just come to me. But he also says, all you who are burdened. So he doesn't say, come to me, all of you who are perfect. Doesn't say, come to me, everyone that has woken up at 4.30 in the morning and have studied the second order of Melchizedek in the word of God. The Greek and Hebrew forms of all the epistles. Come to me, all you learned ones. It doesn't say, come to me, if you wake up in a good mood every day. Doesn't say, come to me if your marriage is perfect. It doesn't say, come to me if you've already fixed yourself and worked everything out. It doesn't say any of that. It says, come to me when you're burdened, when you're heavy, when you're tired. And what does he give you? 
He says, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Now, please understand, he's not saying he's going to give you a vacation. He's not saying sleep in. He's not saying a promotion. He's not saying more money. He's not saying more things. He's saying, I'm going to give you rest, which means really, I'll give you peace. I'll give you peace. Man, that's what you need more than anything. And he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. A yoke was a wooden beam, essentially. It was carved out, and they would use it to put two oxen together to be able to plow together. And uh, the word talks about this in multiple cases. It talks about around relationships, not to be unevenly yoked. In other words, you don't wanna be in a place where you have a good understanding or a great understanding of your identity in Christ and then yoke yourself up with somebody who's finding their identity in you or finding your identity in something else. That'll make you unevenly yoked and all you do is plow in circles and it's really frustrating. But he talks about this, but in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament leading up to the time of Jesus, the yoke became a metaphor for a rabbi's teaching. Okay, so when they would refer to the yoke of that guy, he's referring to his teaching. And because of the law, it also become synonymous with people feeling burdened, feeling shameful, feeling guilty all the time, feeling condemnation. Why? Because the law was impossible to fulfill. The law was impossible to abide by. And so the yoke of most of the rabbis was always about what they should be doing, what they're not doing, what they, what they are supposed to do and how bad they should feel. And they need to bring some more sacrifices because they keep just screwing this whole thing up. That was the teaching of the rabbis before Jesus. But then Jesus says, my teaching is different. My teaching, it's not heavy. It's not about guilt, it's not about shame, it's not about condemnation. Yeah, there is a yoke because there's a responsibility once you've received and once you are teamed up with me, we're gonna do some things. We're gonna do some things, but it says, but it's easy and it's light. It's easy and it's light. In the, in, in the Greek, the word easy means well-fitting, well-fitting. There's so many things in our lives that God never intended or created us to carry. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially, things that we carry that he never designed us to carry and it is ill-fitting and that's one of the reasons why it wears us out, wears us down, rubs us wrong all the time. But he says, my yoke, <laughs> I'm gonna help you carry it. It's gonna be easy and light. In Galatians 5.1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke, there's that word again, of slavery. A yoke of slavery. What's the yoke of slavery? The yoke of slavery specifically was that you think that you can be perfect, that you can fulfill the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. He was the completion of it. But it's also being a slave to your ability, your knowledge, your strength to deal with all the stuff. It's 
living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil versus living in the tree of life. It's living in a place of condemnation, shame, guilt, instead of freedom. So, we all have some baggage. And the truth is, Jesus wants to carry it. And he already paid the price to carry it. So I've got seven bags up here and they represent different things. And we'll talk through them. The first bag I have, this is kind of like a messenger bag. Not too heavy, not, not too cumbersome. Something, you know, you just kind of carry around with you every day, you know. Could be a purse if you like, a man purse, satchel, if you like, you know. Just a bag you carry around. It's just, you know, it's handy. You just kind of throw it over your shoulder. This one represents your family heritage. Because this is something that most of us carry around with us, and we carry around with us pretty much every day. So, moms, you're carrying this with you when you go to watch your kid's soccer game and you come out of your skin and manifest towards the refs, okay? You're carrying this one with you, all right? Husbands, you're carrying this with you when you go on date night with your wives. Students, you're carrying this with you when you're going to class and sitting in the classroom. This is something that's with you. It's not always something that you're completely aware of, conscious of, but it's there. It's there. It's one of your bags. What does it represent? Well, it can represent generational curses. The qualities, the tendencies, the attitudes that have been passed down to you from your parents, from their parents, from their parents' parents. And as, as much as you probably don't want to admit it, because you made an oath to yourself that you would never act like or do the things that your dad did or that your mom did. But as much as it pains you, the truth is you are constantly struggling with doing the exact same things that they did. It's with you. And some of you, you're a little more passive about it. You know, you just wanna kind of pass it off as just, just kind of a normal thing. My dad had a temper. I'm not as bad as he was. My mom was depressed and fearful. So I guess it's just kind of a part of my life. My grandpa was an alcoholic, so it runs in the family. My parents' marriage was horrible, so what do you expect? And some of you feel that pressure and that gravitational pull constantly to live life like the rest of your family tree. That's a part of you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, the Amplified Version says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted and joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creation. She is a new creation, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings us a new life. That's the truth about who you are. You're not defined by your family. You're not defined by the decisions that they make unless 
you allow the enemy to define you that way. Your family heritage. There's one. Uh, next, we've got a bag that's a little bit, a little heavier, a little heavier, a little more bulky, still something that you can just kind of kind of keep behind you. It's weighing you down, but you just kind of want to keep it back there because you, it's, it's hard, it's ugly, it's painful sometimes to look at. This one represents your wounds. Your wounds, your hurts. Maybe somebody spoke words to you that cut you deeply, like you're worthless, you're a loser, you were in an accident. Maybe somebody made you feel like you're hard to love. You're hard to accept. Maybe you, f- you felt like they hated you. Someone snapped at you, got angry at you. And it's hurt you. It's marked you. It's, it's kind of a stamp on you. It was more than likely a close friend or relative, mom or dad or brother or sister, sometimes an enemy. Wounds hurt the most from the people that were supposed to protect you, and love you. So it might've been a boss, it might've been a pastor. Might've been somebody you were in a relationship with. Somebody you were supposed to be able to trust and they stabbed you in the back. Or maybe you've experienced different kinds of abuse. Maybe somebody sexually abused you and you really have tried hard to hide that because you feel ashamed, you feel embarrassed. Somehow you feel responsible. Maybe some of you men, if you go back to some archives of your childhood, you remember when your dad just literally lost it on you. Maybe he yelled, maybe he pushed, maybe he punched. Ladies, maybe at one point or another, your mom told you that you needed to watch your weight. So now you obsess and look in the mirror way more than you should. Or maybe it was the absence of words altogether. Like maybe you were never told, I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm so thankful for you. Maybe the issue was that when there was disappointment in your household, the people that were supposed to love you just gave you the silent treatment for days at a time. So you carry that, that you're just a disappointment and it's a wound. And truth is, some of the seemingly most confident people in this room are some of the most hurt people in this room. There are leaders in this room right now that are carrying this kind of hurt around with them all the time. On the outside, you're confident and successful, but in the inside, there's wounds and they drive you crazy. Isaiah 61.1, this is a prophecy of Jesus. He spoke this himself. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. That's who Jesus is. That's what he came to do. 
but we do have these wounds. The next thing, it's a little bit bigger bag. I find these days it's growing in size. This one represents fear. And uh, it's a little tricky because this bag actually is one that you can roll. So it's just kind of there behind you. And then you can also wear it. And so in different seasons, you feel like it's okay, I'm managing it, but then stuff happens. Culturally speaking, around the world, things happen and all of a sudden you're putting that fear on, man. You feel the full weight of it. You're carrying it. Maybe you're just in that place where you you just constantly think things are just gonna get worse. Things are gonna get worse. And it, and it creates a lot of fear. Like I'm gonna fail. I'm never gonna get married. I'm never going to be able to provide for my family. I'm always gonna struggle financially. I'm afraid of people. I don't like crowds. I'm never gonna be truly successful. I find with, with this bag, when we're struggling with and carry it, it's usually the what ifs. That's, that's the major fear. What if? So it's not even stuff that's happened. I find that it's stuff that's actually not even logical a lot of times. It's, it's not even practical. It's not even realistic that it can happen. But, but fear is irrational. And so it just drives these what if ideas. What if I lose my job? What if I'm in a car accident? What if someone breaks into my house? What if I don't finish school? What if people don't like me? What if I miscarry again? What if I'm not qualified? What if people just laugh at this dream that I think God's put in my heart? What if? Fear not. Those two words, fear not, are in the Bible 366 times. This tells us that God hates seeing his people filled with fear, but he also knows how much we can struggle with it. Struggle with fear. Romans 8, 15 says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you've received the spirit of sonship. Man, such a contrast. Like if you could really see yourself the way God sees you, if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then he sees you exactly like he sees his own son. If you could see yourself as the son or daughter of the creator of the universe, I don't think you would ever be afraid of anything. You'd have some boldness, but we can all struggle with some fear. The next one, Little duffel bag, sports bag. This one represents performance. This may not be a prevalent one for everyone, but it's there at one point or another. I gotta get everything right. I don't wanna disappoint anyone. I don't wanna disappoint God, my family, leaders, friends, teachers, pastors. Uh, I don't wanna disappoint, but I, the truth is I always feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm pro, I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not a good enough parent. I, I, I'm not a good spiritual leader. I know a lot of men, including myself in seasons, where we work ourselves to death in our career because we rely on the feeling that we're measuring up, that we're successful. 
But the problem is in those seasons, we're putting the drive for a false sense and feeling of success ahead of our own relationship and identity with Christ, our devotional time to God, and our time and love and devotion to our family. And it's a weight. We carry the performance bag and we usually struggle with anxiety, worry, being stressed. A lot of us say yes to everything, take on way too much, and then we get burned out. We have a to-do list, but we need to have a to-stop list in a lot of different areas. We think we have to work to gain God's grace and approval. The Bible says that our approval and grace is freely given because of Jesus. Ephesians 2.8 says, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. I don't care who you are, how strong you are. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. We're God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Like there's a, there is something that God has for you to do which God prepared in advance for us to do. The difference is when we're operating in our own performance and our own idea, identity or idea of what performance looks like or what success looks like, we're actually missing out on the work that God prepared for us before time began that will bring true fulfillment, peace, joy, excitement, fun into our lives. Performance. Next bag. Yeah, this one's, this one's a bit of an issue. Another backpack, something that we do kind of like to try to keep behind us on our back. This one represents shame. Shame. These are the things that the enemy brings to our memory constantly, daily. You're not worth it. Your bad things way outweigh any of the good you could ever do. Because of that, you're not really, truly accepted, loved. Your past is too much. You've messed up too many people, too many mistakes. You had a chance. You had a chance. For years, you were okay, and then you fell right back into the same thing again. And the lie of the shame that the enemy leverages, remember, one of his titles is the accuser of the brethren. The accuser, that's one of the things he does. Like he's a professional accuser. And he's not like he's accusing you of things that aren't true, but he's also accusing you of things that are true, but Jesus already paid the price for, that are already covered. But he's convincing you that it's not, and it can't be. It is crazy to me how many people I meet with that think that they are the exception, that they're the exception. Like they would never go to someone they love. They would never go to one of their kids. They would never go to one of their friends. They would never go to their spouse. They would never go to someone, even a stranger, that they didn't even know. They would never tell that person, yes, God loves you, but that one sin in your life, he can't forgive. They would never tell them that, but they think that they're the exception. That is the lie of the devil right there. Isn't it amazing how easily we can buy into that stuff though? No, Jesus said, it is finished. It's not it's finished for everybody 
on the whole planet for generations, millions and millions of people, except you, buddy, you messed up way too big. I can't, I can't cover this one for you. Sorry, no. But that's the way to shame. It's always there, it's always behind you. But this is what the word says. Romans 8, 1. So now, everybody's saying now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I love the message commentary on this. It says this, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. Man, what a great definition of shame. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Shame. Big boy here. Oh, man. I may or may not have thought it'd be cool to store a kid in here for a little bit just to have him chill out for a little bit, just a timeout bag. I know I've never done it, so don't call anybody, but this one represents pride. This one's pretty deceptive because, you know, it does have rollers, you know, so it's not necessarily something that feels heavy, but it's a big dog. And, and this one, this one's sneaky because it's kind of the gatekeeper for all the other bags. Because the reality is, if you're, if, you, if you're not willing to deal with this baby, you're not willing to deal with this baby, you're never gonna deal with those. Because the pride one says, what bags? What baggage? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I don't see anything. Don't touch my bags. Don't touch my bags. Stay away from it. Proverbs 11:2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. Proverbs 16:18. Pride goes before destruction. Proverbs 29:23. A man's pride brings him low. Do you have a tendency to say things constantly to try to make yourself look better? Are you one of the one-up kings? Somebody says something they're celebrating about and you got, well, one time I, the one-up person. Do you resist others from speaking in your life? Like, can you be challenged? How well do you receive criticism? Even if it's not constructive. Are you always right? Are you always right? Like, are you always right? Like, even when you're wrong, you say, you're right. I was wrong about that. But the reason why I said what I said was, let me explain to you why I'm actually right. More than likely, if you're carrying this bag, everyone around you knows it. They all, we know it. But more than likely, nobody's saying anything about it because they know how poorly you respond when somebody tries to point it out. Like, man, that ain't worth it. Just let, don't open that door. 
We're going to get ugly quick. Pride. This one's been around for a while. Again, it's heavy. It's heavy. Thankfully, it's on rollers. But it is an issue. And it's sin. It's sin. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the sin that you've confessed. I'm not talking about the sin you're walking out repentance with. I'm talking about the sin that you haven't confessed as sin. I'm talking about the sin that you've been rebellious about. I'm talking about the areas where you're running away from God, not being obedient. Unforgiveness is one of these, for sure. But it unconfessed sin. So, could be holding on to addictions. Could be unhealthy or unbiblical relationships. Drugs, drunkenness, gluttony, selfishness. Jealousy and envy. Insecurity. That's a, that's a sneaky one, insecurity. Because the enemy will convince us, no, you think less of yourself. So that's kind of like humility. <laughs> no. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking more of others. But insecurity, it's this passive aggressive form of pride is really what it is. Because anything that takes Jesus off the throne to be able, it's pride. And insecurity takes Jesus off the throne to be able because there's something in you that's just not good enough. So insecurity, lust, and however it manifests, pornography, unhealthy relationships, sex outside of marriage, And you're doing these things and you know you shouldn't and it's holding you back. The Bible says that there is a definite gap between you and God when you are living in sin, consciously living in sin. There's a gap. And you wouldn't argue with that because that's exactly how you feel. Now the enemy will lie and say that gap's getting to be too big. The gap's never too big. God is always willing and able and wanting to restore and forgive. But you're running. You're creating the gap. By the way, no one can handle your sin like God can. And there's nothing he hasn't heard. <laughs> and there's nothing he doesn't already know about. He knows. Bring it to him. Confess it. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Okay, so to recap. You got your family stuff. You got your wounds. You got your shame. You got your fear. You got your performance. 
Oh. No, I'm good. I'm good. See? Good. Got to get all this together here. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And this is exactly what you look like spiritually. You imagine trying to get on a plane like this? Sir, you're going to have to check those bags. What bags? Are there any bags? Imagine if we saw everybody, if we had baggage vision, and we could see all the bags that everybody's carrying. Imagine if you got on Instagram or Facebook, and instead of seeing everybody's best life, you saw their baggage and what they're carrying around. Because the reality is, that's what's happening in your soul. That's what's happening to your spirit. And you're not moving with any kind of strength. You're not moving with any kind of true direction. You're burdened. And guess what? The problem is, at one point or another, you're going to throw your baggage on someone you love. You're going to throw one of these bags at somebody that you care about. Because, because you're going to get exhausted and wore out and it's gonna, you're going to get in your flesh and you're going to try to dump your baggage on somebody else. You're going to get into some unhealthy codependent relationship with someone that you're finding your identity and your strength in. And then when they fail you, because they will fail because they're human, you're going to be disillusioned and hurt. And you're going to try to dump on them. The problem is your baggage will constantly set you up to hurt people. But it'll also set everyone else to constantly hurt you and disappoint you doesn't matter how, who they are. It doesn't matter how loving and gracious and kind. You're living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You will always find something that they've done to let you down. And you'll be in a cycle. So I know this is really encouraging right now in the service. But what are the bags you're carrying? Jesus already did everything that needs to be done to carry them for you. He's done it. Lay your burdens at the cross. He promises rest for your souls. Okay, but, but let's get practical, right? How many of you, when you go on a vacation, when you come home from vacation, you have a tendency to not unpack your bags right away? Like you let them sit around for a while. I know somebody in this room, their may, name may or may not rhyme with Jody, uh, that when... They get back from vacation. They will leave their bag packed for weeks, weeks, like to the point where obviously nothing in that bag is really needed. Like we can just get rid of it. But here's the thing. If you were going to put a bag away or let's say you wanted to get rid of a bag altogether, you'd want to unpack it. 
you're going to want to unpack it. And the truth is, every one of these bags that you're carrying, it has to get unpacked. And that's uncomfortable, and no one wants to do that, but it's absolutely necessary. Because what the enemy is kept in secret and under the cover of a bag lid has to be brought into the light and put under the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus if you want to be set free from it. You've got to unpack it. You've got to look at everything. So this is what I encourage you to do. Use this list. Use this list. Family heritage. What are some characteristics or traits that I've seen that have been generational in my family? Is it divorce? Is it alcohol abuse? Is it addiction of some other kind? Is it some sort of sexual addiction? Whatever that is, I want to I wanna look at it and I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down. And then, and then you find something that is more eternal, more absolute, more formed since the foundation of the earth that you can speak over that as truth. You find a verse. If you're not sure what verse, I've given you a bunch already. Start there. And you make them yours. And you speak that truth over every one of those things. Everything on that list. And then you keep on moving. What are your wounds? Write them down. I talked about this last week. Write them down and write down the people who did it to you and you forgive and release them too. But you write it down. What's your shame? You write it down. What is it? What's your pride? What's your performance? You write it all down. And then out loud, this is important, okay? It's important. It's important you say it out loud because your own ears need to hear your faith rising up. Your own ears need to hear you declaring the truth. But the devil needs to hear that you're choosing to stop carrying the junk. You're not gonna carry the bags anymore. You're not gonna carry it for you and you're not gonna carry it for anyone else either because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And you're gonna live it and not just say it. But you're gonna have to get intentional. Unpack every item and put it under the word of God in prayer. And then as often as it tries to put itself back on your back, you take it off, you open it up, and you say, no, I put this under the word of God and under the truth of who I am in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that every generational curse would be exposed and broken in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that every wound, that even the ones we've tried to repress or hold or hide or whatever, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be able to reveal those things because, God, you heal your children. God, I pray that that every time fear would try to creep in that we know is clearly not from you that paralyzes us, that we would receive your peace that transcends understanding. That's what you have for us. God, for every time that we thought that we could do it in our own strength, we could do it in our own ability, God, I pray for a supernatural revelation of your unconditional acceptance, love, and grace for every person that struggles with that. God, over our shame, remind us again that we are a new person living a new life. We're a new creation. And I pray, God, that people would walk out of this place today in freedom with their past truly behind them. No longer a sad story, but a powerful testimony. And God, over our sin, you already know 
We're not hiding anything. God, let us humbly come before you and confess. You're the safest place that we can bring our brokenness, our sin, our struggles. God, I pray that you would bring a person to every person in this room, someone they can trust, that they be wise, but they can come and confess. I pray in marriages that spouses would be the accountability that you've created them and designed them to be. Instead of reacting negatively, instead of taking it personally, that wives and husbands would be able to hear the struggles of their spouses' lives and be able to team up with them to find healing, to find forgiveness, and to find freedom in Jesus' name. And God, help us to exhibit the true power of a relationship with you and not just how we deal with our sin, but how we deal with the sin of others. But the truth is this, if you haven't surrendered to Jesus, if you haven't surrendered to Jesus, if you haven't made him your Lord and Savior, you're still under all of these things. You're still under the authority of sin you're still under condemnation. You're still under it. Without him, there's no hope of freedom. There's no hope of peace. There's no hope of life without him. And maybe you feel that right now, and maybe it is because you've never surrendered to him. Or maybe it's just that you've been away from him, and maybe it's been a short season or a long season. It may have been decades. Maybe you've just been doing the church thing. Maybe you've been doing the right stuff, but you've, you don't have any peace or any confidence in your heart right now that you have a genuine relationship with a heavenly father who's crazy about you, who loves you, who did everything that he could possibly do so that you could be reconciled to him. But, but the choice is still yours. You have to make the choice. That's one of the things he gave us. And that's, that's why he's so loving because he's not gonna make you accept his love. You've got to accept it. You've got to choose it. And if you're here, you know you need to. You're away from Jesus. You need to surrender to him so that he can save you and forgive you of your sins, but so that he can have control. So he can be the Lord. If that's you, nobody's looking. Christians are praying. This is the most important decision that somebody's going to make right now. But if you know you're away from him, would you be willing to admit it to me? Would you be willing just to, God already knows, but admit it and just say, I need him. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I'm away from him. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Got you. Yes, sir. Got you. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I'm just away from him. I need Jesus. I don't have a genuine relationship. Yes, ma'am. Got you. Yes. I got you. I got you. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I have no confidence about my eternity. I have no peace. Anyone else? I'm away from Jesus and I need him. Okay. Father God, I thank you for those few hands. And Lord, I just, I know that right now they're feeling your grace. <laughs> they're feeling that acceptance. They're feeling you draw near to them. But Lord, we wanna go ahead and commit it in our hearts. We wanna commit it with our with our words. So if you raise your hand, 
You can say this prayer loud enough for your own ears to hear. You can say it in your, just in your own heart, your head if you want. But, but the word says every person that believes in him and confesses him as their Lord and Savior, that he paid the price on the cross, they'll be saved. And so I'd encourage you, tell somebody you made this decision. Declare it. Be, be proud about your faith in him. And when you can, get water baptized. Go public with that decision to follow Jesus. But right now, let's just talk to him. Every person raise your hand and those that didn't, that maybe you know you should have, that's okay. God knows your heart. You raising your hands, not what gets you saved. But let's just pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. And I know there's no way that I can save myself. The truth is I've tried. I've tried so many different ways. I've tried to make myself good and I'm not. I need a savior. And I confess that you came and you died on the cross for my sin. You paid the price for my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. I don't even know, understand how you can love someone like me. I've made so many, many mistakes, I can't even count them. But, but I just, right now in faith, I choose to believe that what you did is all that will ever need to be done. And I surrender to the sacrifice that you paid on the cross and, and also surrender to you as Lord. Because I know that you rose from the grave. You rose from the grave, you defeated sin, you defeated death itself, not so that I can someday, or not just so I can someday go to heaven, but so that I can live life and life to the full now. So I know the only way that I can fulfill my purpose, the only way that I can have that life is I can't be in control. So I give you control, be my Lord. And I repent, I turn away from living for myself. I don't wanna live the way culture tells me to live. I wanna live according to your word, the leading of your spirit. Help me to be connected to a body of believers where I can be challenged and grow and be discipled, become the person you've created me to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for new life in you. I wanna live the rest of my life for your glory, to build your kingdom, to be the person you've created me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.